Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about exposing the left, Candace Owens. You gotta love this girl. David Clements, Otero, New Mexico vote audit is joining us. Uh, Bobert bus joyless, just a quick little funny story. Uh, Twitter, the bubbles keep bursting. And finally, the Sussman kangaroo court trial. Hillary Rodham Clinton still looming. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Candace Owens is on a roll and has announced that she has a film coming out actually this month, and it is being put out through her website, not probably in theaters, but she's taken on the issue of America's reaction and really the left's creation of tumult uh, over the death of George Floyd. Her film is called The Greatest Lie Ever Told, George Floyd and the Rise of BLM. Only someone with her astonishing bravery and relentlessness could put out a film like this, even though people have privately questioned uh, you know, many of the circumstances surrounding uh, George Floyd's death and certainly have argued, as I have, that the reaction in America was overstated, that we don't have this massive uh, problem of police brutality, which uh, really, uh, again, and uh, racial discrimination uh, engaged in by police, which is what the basis of Black Lives Matter was. And we have reviewed many times on this show the Marxist funding for the Black Lives Matter organization. They aren't about making life better for black Americans. They're all about pushing a radical leftist move in America, radical leftist Marxist socialist move in America. But I want to play a quick, the uh, little player, the trailer that Candace Owens put out for her new film, again entitled, The Greatest Lie Ever Told, George Floyd and the Rise of the BLM. Exhibited that behavior yeah. 11 months earlier. Mark. I've never been so hurt inside. And even as I'm speaking to you right now, it's starting to come back. This is an autonomous zone. 23 out of 24 hours in a cell. No TV, no magazines, no books, no nothing. So anytime a customer brings a counterfeit bill, you see we have plenty of them. We tell them, hey, this is counterfeit. If the customer insists, then we call the police. How did you feel watching the trial? I thought it was a sham. All right, so I just want to start it with just you stating your name for the record, as well as your professional background. I have been a police officer in the state of Minnesota for almost four decades forensic criminologist and certified medical investigator and police practices expert. There's yeah, some good moments here. You know, it's like uh, we live together almost, uh, I guess, 
It was about four and a half years, almost five years. So you guys, in, in many ways, were some of the people that were the closest to him. And I don't remember seeing your faces on the news or anybody talking to you, so I guess let's just start with that. You guys knew him best, so who was George Floyd? She's right. We haven't told our side of the story. Maybe it's time for us to tell our story, you know? I'm telling you folks, those of you who don't yet subscribe to Daily Wire, you might think about it. I think you probably have to belong to Daily Wire in order to be able to watch that and make three points clear in wrapping up the first five. Number one, no one is saying America is perfect. Yes, there are people who hold racial animus in their hearts of every skin color, race, ethnicity, and national origin. It's evil. Racism is always evil. Exactly what Martin Luther King said is the only truth Americans should attempt to live up to that every single person deserves to be judged by the content of their character and the color of their skin. Number two, America does not have a massive racial injustice problem, does not have a systemic racist problem, institutional racist problem. This is a concoction of the anti-American left designed to tear America apart designed to tear America into racial tribes which they, who are then fighting, and then the left leaps in to take control and solve all the problems. The racial agitation in this country is intentional and being pushed by the anti-American left, as I mentioned earlier, much of it funded by socialists and actually Chinese communist influences in America. All Americans of every race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color can fight this by showing more freely and openly and regularly our love for America and every single person, uh, every American citizen of every background at all. Number three, no one is saying the police are perfect. And yes, in the past, there has been a problem with police, and, and there are problems occasionally today with respect to police behavior, brutality, uh, but the statistical evidence, as we've gone over in great detail in this show, the statistical evidence does not bear out the argument that BLM tries to make, which is that police in this country intentionally target black Americans for unfair treatment, brutal treatment, arrest, et cetera. The statistics don't bear that out. In fact, they bear out much the opposite. I'm gonna close the first five by saying, I want to just commend Candace Owens for extraordinary bravery, being willing to continue to speak up on this issue, which what the left tried to do is say, now that we have had a verdict in the, in the uh, George Floyd incident, and we've had, uh, you know, the public comes to understand this is the only thing you're allowed to think about, the George Floyd incident, the only thing you're allowed to think about the police is what the left tells you to think. This is Candace Owens saying, no, absolutely not. We seek truth, and she's going to put out in this film. I truly commend her for doing it. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. We have joining us today a gentleman who's actually been on the show before, and he also spoke at my summit last year, our, our second annual Women for Freedom Summit, David Clements. Uh, he is from New Mexico. He was a former law professor in New Mexico, uh, and also someone that got very involved uh, with respect, uh, initially a little uh, politically, got involved with respect to the uh, demands for mask wearing, uh, but he really turned his considerable intellectual energies toward assessing what really happened in the election of 2020 and whether or not there's evidence that is uh, tangible and provable 
with respect to election fraud in 2020 and how it occurred. He recently was part of the group that did an intense investigation in Otero County, New Mexico, um, and then they reported their results to the, I believe it's the Commissioner Court, we'll get the right name of the entity, but reported those results uh, last week. He's joining us to tell us what they did in their investigation in New Mexico and, and what they found. So let's welcome to the show, David Clements. I believe we have him. <laughs> there you are. Hi, sir. Hi, Debbie. Good to see you, sir. It's good to be with you. Okay, so I would love to have you. I've been reading things, but I know you and others, uh, Aaron Clements, others, uh, in, got engaged in a more in-depth study, an audit, with respect to the vote of uh, the election of November 2020 uh, in Otero County, New Mexico. And I just love to have you tell us, you know, what you did. What did you look into? Just, just what you did to do the investigation. Well, uh, starting off, we analyzed everything that we could from national experts. So whether it was Dr. Frank, Seth Cashel, and my wife was the chief architect of a 261-page election fraud report. And we sent a copy of that report to every single elected official in New Mexico. And one county commission in particular, Otero County, invited us. We gave a presentation, and they partnered with us to have a full forensic audit in their county. Now, mind you, Otero County is a red county. Republicans won. Uh, the county clerks swore up and down that there's no issues with the way that they run elections. And yet, as we've dug deep, we've found massive problems in Otero County. And um, last week, we got a little taste of that. We're not done actually providing all of our analysis, but we had a machine expert by the name of Jeff Lenberg, who had the top uh, national security clearances during his career looked in nuclear deterrence, he's a nation state vulnerability expert, was able to look at the election management system in Otero County. And we found that Dominion, while our audit was underway, had deleted the entire project file of the November 3rd, 2020 election. So we can start there. Um, the, the, that's, that's a criminal action under state law and federal law. Uh, we've been reviewing cast vote records from across the state. We've actually done a partial audit of eight counties. We've just had to keep that very, very quiet because of the level of scrutiny we've been under. Speaking of the level of scrutiny you've been under, and this is happening to everyone who's making a serious effort to investigate election fraud, to look for details. You know, if you just, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this, if you just put in your name in almost any search engine, your name, Otero County, election or audit or something, the top headlines that come across, uh, that come out, are from publications that begin the story with, audit occurs, no fraud found or something very, I'm not exaggerating, those are titles, and what you just described is exactly the opposite of that, but it's just, it's kind of, uh, I raise that to say, I'm, uh, the media so far in this country, with some exceptions, have been unwilling to report even, uh, even concrete data, unquestionable data, that show election fraud. So I, I assume you're countering that in New Mexico, the, you haven't, have you found journalists yet willing to try to cover this story and expand it? Well, it's far worse than, than people realize. Uh, we've got citizen journalists that cover it. Uh, local journalists have done a, a good job. But I'll give you one example. When we started doing our canvas, we canvassed over 20% of the entire county. And that's a 6,000 square mile county. So thousands of residences. So the margin of, of error is less than 2%. We've got a huge sample size. Um, by the book, we have wonderful canvassers and they were commissioned by the county. Well, there was a political operative that recorded one of those encounters, but selectively edited 
that encounter, and you can never hear what the canvassers say. And this operative lied about what happened. And so you can't actually hear any of the, uh, the intimidation, but there was an assertion that she was intimidated. Now, the Daily Beast picked up this TikTok video put out by this political operative, and based on a fabricated encounter and a propaganda article by the Daily Beast, the U.S. Congressional Oversight Committee basically acquired jurisdiction to investigate our little audit in Otero County. So when we talk about lawfare, we talk about uh, political tactics to bury this, to have false headlines. Um, our prime contractor at the outset was Dr. Shiva, someone with four MIT degrees. Um, he was lawfare to death. So we effectively had to work with him as, far, as long as we could. But because of the cost of retaining an attorney that had to respond to congressional subpoenas for every single communication from the audit team, we knew that they were they're basically just trying to uh, you know, throw a giant weight around our, our, our necks and shoulders uh, so we would waste resources and time. So we've moved on. We have about 30 engineering degrees total in our audit, but that's just one small example of just how uh, upset the apple cart is, the political establishment. And they should be because right now, right out the gate, what we found is that 40% of our official voter rolls in Otero County are incorrect. 40%. They're just flat out wrong. <laughs> so, um, and I can get into the details of the machine vulnerabilities, but um, that's one small example where it's not just the press, it's, it's Congress that's after us. Oh, it is Congress, you're so right. And I do wanna ask about the voter rolls. I wanted to uh, mention you just made, I wanna dive in that a moment. We wanna talk about the reports that came out that indicated that Dominion voting machines, as you looked at them, can actually, and I'm not, I'm sure not stating this precisely correctly, but they can essentially cast votes themselves. They, the machines can cast votes and check votes, which when I first read that, I thought, well, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. So I want to get into that. But let me start with this. When you say 40% of the voter rolls, this is as a result of your audit. An audit uh, is actually, we mean by that audit, you mean the going door-to-door -door canvassing that resulted in your conclusion that 40% of the voter rolls are inaccurate? Is that what you're saying? That's part of it. So we did a full commission canvas. We, we canvassed full precincts, 20% of the entire county. So the, the sample, so most people that do polling, you, you get a sufficient large number that's random. Well, we, we outdid that by leaps and bounds. But we also looked at the, the election management system. We looked at tabulators. We scanned 25,000 ballots, 6,000 envelopes. Uh, we've got a full, full analysis that's that's comparable to what we saw with Maricopa, but I think we've actually got a better team in place. So um, this is a, in my opinion, it's going to be the best audit that's that's been put out there. Um, but yes, some of the stuff that you mentioned absolutely happened. Um, there is a feature on the Dominion machines that it's uh, put out under the pretext of helping those with disabilities, but you can actually scan a ballot through a tabulator and the tabulator has the ability to fill out the ovals. So why we would ever have a machine device that can fill out blank ovals and even more troubling, it can fill out the ovals and make it look like it wasn't filled out by a machine. It actually has software that makes it look like it was filled out by a human. There's no reason why that feature should exist on that machine, but that was just one of many that we found. When you speak of tabul tabulators that can do that, the, is a tabulator part of the Dominion voting machine or that's a separate physical object, but it's also uh, owned and controlled by Dominion? 
Yeah, uh, the tabulators in Otero are Dominion owned. Usually what you have is a, a suite of products. You have e-poll books um, that hook up to the internet. Then you have tabulators, which are hooked up to the internet. And then you also have software and call all kinds of extras that are tied with the election management system that the clerks themselves use. All three points have vulnerabilities for hacking and outside bad actors that can do things. Um, and it's very easy to do with the way that these, these machines are designed. That, did, that by itself is shocking and also inexplicable. I don't really know if Dominion's ever going to have to answer the question, but what is the good reason, the legitimate reason to have that capacity in the tabulator? I mean, is there any? Well, there's none because we've been able to assist people with disabilities for over, you know, for the past hundred years. Uh, and there, there are ways to, to accommodate folks, but to have a, a feature that allows the machine to fill out a ballot and not the person, there's no excuse for that. And it gets even worse than that. We, we actually found out that there is a feature on the Dominion machines where they can wake themselves up and do so in a way where the screen doesn't come on. So that means your election workers would have no idea that their tabulators are being accessed remotely. So another, you know, there's a, you know, it begs the question, why in the world would that exist on a Dominion machine? And they even have a design where there's a socket design uh, where you can easily add a wireless modem to the machine. And even if you didn't do that, every one of these machines have USB slots where you can put a USB modem. So when you look at actual vulnerabilities and flips, like what we saw in Antrim, Michigan, where 7,000 votes were flipped, and it's on these machines, and it can be done remotely, uh, that's very troubling. And, it, and when we talk about remote access, we, what I'm saying is that these machines can be accessed, if you have the proper credentials in a chip modem, from anywhere in the world. All you have to have is the credentials. Well, oddly enough, in Otero County, the clerks themselves don't have the credentials, just Dominion. So that's a tremendous amount of trust. And these clerk staffs, while they understand the election uh, code handbook and they understand how to run an election, they do not understand these machines uniformly, uniformly. They have no idea what is what on these machines. And if you were to open up this motherboard, look at all the different chips and circuitry, they would have no clue. And we've confirmed that wherever we go, yet they put all of their trust into third-party corporations to effectively run the elections for them. You know, I'm sure you, um, I know you follow election integrity closely, and you mentioned, I meant to say at the beginning, you mentioned Dr. Douglas Frank and Seth Keschel, relentless warriors trying to, and they're uh, people with, uh, in the case of Seth Keschel, brilliant mathematical mind, can, I've had him on the show where he just spews off numbers and statistics, and he's got them all in his head, no notes at all. Uh, and then Dr. Douglas Frank, just a brilliant mathematician who's been showing the uh, patterns he can demonstrate uh, with respect to algorithms, meaning that the vote count appears to be controlled by an algorithm rather than actual conduct. Um, I was going to run through some of the things you had, and, and, and so I'm grateful for all the things that you're uh, exposing. And I want to mention to our listeners, I meant to say when I introduced you, the main place you can read more about what uh, David Clements is talking about today is at his Telegram site, which is called The Professor's Record. The Professor's Record. And um, 
you know, I mentioned my listeners periodically, there's some, seems like there's always some new way of communication, some new social media thing, but the professor's record is really an extraordinary uh, place at, to find one person's writings, and so that you can go there. I actually printed off some of the things that you said uh, on your professor's record. You made one mention of it, and I want to be sure I underscore it sufficiently. Dominion had a massive campaign to delete November 2020 election records across the country under false pretenses. Was this part of, they were doing that under this trusted build system program? Yes, where, where we became most aware of this was last year leading up to the cyber symposium. Uh, people didn't realize that Mike Lindell and his team had gotten a hold of Tina Peters and she was able to save forensic copies of their election records. Well. Lo and behold, Dominion went in there and wiped and deleted everything much like they did in Otero County. And so the, the cyber symposium in many respects was, um, you know, I think one of the most powerful pieces of evidence that came out of that was Dominion's access. Well, right after that symposium, what we found were that clerks were being hit up across the country for Dominion to go in and do either preventative maintenance or the trusted build. So under the auspices of changing out batteries and updating software, they were wiping records. And we know that for a fact in many, many states, including New Mexico. Um, Otero County is not the only place where we have an admission of the wiping of records. It's also in Doniana County. Uh, we've had reports out of Pennsylvania. Um, the practices appear to be uh, purposeful. So it's one of those things where, look, if we can't get into the source code, if, if uh, we're gonna let Dominion hide behind legal fictions, um, they can always chalk it up a mistake. And a lot of them are, are basically blaming the clerks that it was human error if, if you can't find and locate these records. Because when we did our deep dive in Otero, our clerks believe they actually had the ballot images in the entire project file for 2020. Well, we started looking and examining those, those files and they're gone. There's no explanation for it. And so their first instinct is, is I must have done something wrong. And no, it's just not possible. So we, our expert provided an expert opinion, but unfortunately we're seeing this everywhere. By the time we're gonna have access to it, um, the, the statute's gonna run out. By September of this year, there's no requirement legally that these folks hold on to the election records, but wherever we go, once we look, they're getting wiped. Okay, this is astonishing. And honestly, if, the, if all the roles are reversed and somehow Trump had won, and I'm not bringing politics and somebody love Trump, hate Trump, I don't really care. But if Trump had won and you had the Democrats deeply suspicious of the voting machines and you had the media hound dogs onto the question of whether the voting machines were rigged, all of what you're describing would be national news, giant headlines every day. But somehow, because the roles are what they are, and it is, you know, Biden got 81 million votes, supposedly, which uh, I don't know who believes that. I don't know if anyone does. Uh, but there is so little uh, astonishing uh, lack of curiosity. I mean, just, just lack of interest on the part of legislators and the part of prosecutors. It, it is breathtaking. Well, two other things. So that, that's a massive, that all by itself, Dominion has been so aggressive in handling and responding to claims of potential election fraud in the voting machines. They're suing people who point it out. I mean, instead of, instead of saying, wow, I guess we have a, had a problem there, there's one county, we'll fix it. Their answer is to be aggressive, is to go on the offense. It, it, it's, it's staggering. You also, when you mentioned a moment ago about accessing machines remotely and the way the clerks react, I do want to make that point. I try to make it every time we talk about this. 
people who have volunteered in elections for years and years in America, and they are election clerks, and they are county officials, and they're poll watchers, and all these positions we have to have to, that should, in normal circumstances, safeguard our elections, those people feel, if they're not familiar with the kind of fraud you're describing with remote access to the machines, I'm going to get to more of what you said in a minute, but they feel accused. They feel like, wait a minute, I, I checked all the dots. I, I, did the, yeah, I, I did it all. I'm not guilty. And it's so important to say, the vast majority of election officials in America probably have no idea what's occurring, and they're not part of it, and they're not participating in it, and, and they're, not, they're not being questioned. Uh, but the fact that they don't know what's happening to the machines right in front of them, as a point you just made, um, you can, uh, people can remotely access, I'm trying to find, yeah, remotely access the machines and wake them remotely, and, and you as the election clerk, election judge sitting right there wouldn't even know. Really important to understand. Okay, you, I, I want to hit one other thing you, you said, um, because I, I think the, these things, I, I'm just kind of blown away by all that you reported, and again, is that your uh, Telegram page, the professor's record, which you have this, um, this expert, Jeff Lenberg, talking about, not only can votes be changed in an election through hacking the machines, to use the vernacular, they can be, you can change the time and date on the printout tapes to make it appear that the altered votes were the actual votes on election night. I mean, yes, can <laughs> That's you say true. something about and, that? And, <laughs> yes, and in fact, what was shocking is a lot of these machines, these providers, whether it's Dominion or ESNS or Hart, they all have the same vulnerabilities. So Jeff Lemberg has 10 expert reports that are still publicly available. Uh, he was the expert for Matt DiPerno in Michigan. And, you know, so you've got these groups like ProVND and SLI Compliance that are certified uh, independent auditors. And they're the ones that basically give a rubber stamp to Dominion. But what we found is that the existing software on these machines allow you through the drop down menu, make the switches. And so Jeff Lemberg was the guy that had a viral video back in May of last year where he demonstrated switching of votes. He basically, you know, was fed, you know, a ballot for Joe Jorgens and he fed two ballots for Biden and four ballots for Trump. And he just shows you exactly how he's able to swap the votes from Biden to Trump, print out the tapes and make it reflect that change and go into the system itself electronically and have the match there. So when we have these risk limiting auditors, or these risk-limiting audits, all they're doing is comparing the printout tapes to their electronic system. But the problem is, is they don't match the physical ballots, and that's happening everywhere. Um, so not only is that existing on the software itself, it's within these machines that was certified, and that's not in compliance with HAVA, the Help America Vote Act. Um, you can actually backdate, change dates and times, and make it look like it was an original election. So again, why in the world would that feature ever exist on an election machine? Yet it does, and it comes standard. Truly shy. Uh, David Clements, I'm so grateful that you and your wife, Erin, and others worked on this um, audit in Otero. I wanted to ask briefly how, I have about one minute here, um, how it went when you presented this information to the Otero, is it commissioner's court there, the, the county, uh, did they respond and say, oh my gosh, we'll jump right on? Or what was the reaction when you presented this information? Well, it's mixed. Our, our, our county commission is one of the more courageous commissions. The fact that they even partnered with us is wonderful. I think they're upset. Um, I think they understand that many of their constituents were per participants in the canvas. They themselves were canvas. They're upset that their voter rolls are a mess. 
And so what we're asking them to do is at the next county commission meeting, have a vote of no confidence to transition away from the use of these machines. Um, for over 200 years, we checked in at, at the polls and we signed out for a ballot. We had hand tabulation in small manageable precincts. So we'd like to get back to that and, and be more control over our voices come election time. But I think we've got good, honest people there that want, again, this is a red county. So this shouldn't upset Democrats. It's not going to change the outcome of what happened uh, nationally. But in a local election, I think it serves as a template where every county across the country can take a look and say, look, you don't have to do it this way. You know, most of our counties are very, very small and manageable. Uh, there's no reason why you can't have certified precinct chairs that are observing, looking over each other's shoulders, where we do hand counts and we do local reporting at the precinct level, uh, where everyone has great transparency. We've basically changed everything to machines that we use with the poll books. We use machines on tabulation, machines on the posting of the results, and machines even to audit. So we've taken humans out of the equation and um, have blindly trusted private corporations to run these elections for us. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not something that is, has bode well for us. We haven't moved on from 2020 and expect things to get much worse with the, the recent release of 2,000 mules. Absolutely. David Clemens, I cannot thank you and your wife and your whole team enough for what you're doing in Otero County. I would love to check back with you and thank you so much for all that you're doing. You're welcome, Debbie. God bless. Good to see you, sir. Okay, folks, for our radio listeners, you're headed off to a break. You're listening to America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. Come back after your three-minute break. We have another half an hour of great stories, great stuff. I'll talk to you after your break. For everybody else listening online, I want to tell you that I'm going to do a quick little fun story in this uh, short segment here. Um, so, you know, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, by the way, I spoke in um, Colorado last, uh, this past Saturday. It seems like so long ago, just this past Saturday, a uh, great meeting of Republican women leaders. I mean, these are just, these are the gung-ho, real go-getter types. Anyway, I think where I spoke was Lauren, Bo Lauren Boebert's district. She's just completely wonderful. So Lauren Boebert, you know, she's a Colorado person and she's a, you know, she believes in guns. She supports gun rights and that's just kind of, you know, where she is. So she uh, had a Christmas card uh, uh, this past year or a couple of years ago where she had their Christmas tree and she's standing there with her sons holding guns because they are hunters and they learn how to use guns and handle them carefully and properly. That was her Christmas card. So the incredibly joyless, obnoxious Joy Behar, um, who just cannot resist being obnoxious at all times, uh, one of the obnoxious hosts of The View, uh, right after the, the very ugly and horrible incident occurred in Buffalo, New York, in which a, uh, a grocery store, someone, a, a truly evil bad guy, and apparently a leftist and a racist, um, went into the store and, and opened fire and shot 13 people, the vast majority of them being black Americans. This shooter was actually, uh, is a leftist and, and happened to be white and, and appears from some of his postings to be racist. In any case, Joy Behar, of all the places she could go talking about, you know, because she's a leftist, so she probably wants to grab guns. And she thinks it's only the people on the conservative side who are racist, when in fact, it's, you know, her own party, the Democrat Party, far more racist in their policies. But in any case, Joy Behar, take a shot, be bad analogy, Joy Behar, in order to feature how much she was upset by the Buffalo store shooting, put out a tweet in which Lauren Boebert's Christmas card picture, which of course had nothing to do with what happened in Buffalo, but Joy Behar puts out this, uh, this 
tweet in which she pictures uh, the um, Christmas card, and you see that that's, that's Lauren Boebert's family uh, with their guns, and you can see Joy Behar, who's, she, her um, comment, this is obscene. She didn't put this out at Christmas time where she was complaining about a card. She puts it out now, right after, um, right after as you can see, uh, the, the incident occurred in Buffalo. So Lauren Boebert, I love this woman. She puts out, joyless, we know you hate America. Go back to your sex strike. And what is so, so funny about that, I mean, this is brilliance on the part of Lauren Boebert. So the, the view, because they're all radical leftists and they love Roe versus Wade and they support abortion. So... Joy Behar had said on The View, well, if we're going to have them take away Roe versus Wade, if the Supreme Court's going to reverse Roe versus Wade, well, you know what? Women can go on a sex strike. She actually talked about the idea of just withholding uh, your, you know, even marital intimacy, uh, women going on a sex strike, because after all, this is what they'll do. We'll make those people give us back, you know, pass abortion rights in some form. This was, you know, of, I mean, I'm going to get on this topic again, but not, not today. That is a lunatic reaction by Joy Behar. Instead of having intelligent discussion over abortion and limitations, et cetera, laws, values, morality, uh, you know, her answer is if they take away Roe versus Wade, maybe the women in America should go on a sex strike. And so that is why Lauren Boebert put that, you know, put that, actually put that tweet back up one second, because it's so, so hilarious. Uh, this is Lauren Boebert, who just, I mean, she found a funny way, kind of a, a double whammy at, at um, Joy Behar, you know, calling her joyless. First of all, she is, she's just endlessly angry. She just, I mean, you look at her, she's her, her, you know, whole countenance, she's spewing anger before she even opens her mouth. And she says, we know you hate America, go back to your sex strike. Pretty funny, gotta hand it to Lauren Boebert for being feisty. I love it. Sometimes, you know, on this show, we, we can come back, you know, sometimes on this show, what I like to do, I'd like to run through bullet points and arguments and constitutional points and what the laws say, the statutes say, because that's kind of how I think. But I love that punchy humor. I mean, Lauren Boebert really it was a very, very good reply. I'm going to do two other stories today, but before I do, I want to mention uh, that I didn't make a slide for this. I'll probably put something up on our website about it. But uh, amazingly, many of the emails that were in, hidden in the Hunter Biden laptop um, have been released uh, on a website. And you can read the Hunter Biden emails, not all of them. It's a, I think actually only a tiny portion of them. Uh, is up on a new website called BidenLaptopEmails.com. BidenLaptopEmails.com. This is Garrett Ziegler. Uh, used to work with Peter Navarro in the Trump White House, and he's been following this story closely. And he just thought America deserves to get to see these. And this is Hunter Biden, you know, who's just been a kind of walking criminal enterprise with his dad for uh, decades now. And he's saying, Garrett Ziegler, why don't you guys want to see that? I'll probably explore that later, haven't looked at it. Okay. Uh, and before I get to the next thing, I'm going to... Um, talk about the Sussman trial. Um, and I'm going to do that in one minute. I did have this um, thing about Twitter I wanted to mention briefly. And on Twitter, this, there's just going to be endless stories about this topic. But Twitter has, has become obvious to everyone now because Elon Musk is trying to buy it. And so they're having to, you know, it's kind of like when Elon Musk is saying in order for the sale of Twitter to go through, his purchase to go through, you, know, you have to validate uh, what your company is, your, your company's net worth. It's like a company who advertised that you had millions of customers in order to get a high sales price, and then it turns out you only have four. You know, you, you haven't disclosed the accurate 
data or perception of your company. So that's what's going on right now is Elon Musk is doing what he should do, uh, which is assess the true value of Twitter. How many bots, how many fake people, how many fake accounts, you know, how many, how much algorithms twist things around. We talked about algorithms yesterday. There's just one little factoid coming out about um, Twitter. Half of Joe Biden's 22 million followers on Twitter are fake. Now, this is a guy, you got to understand, this is a guy the left claims got 81 million votes in the 2020 election, more than any president in human history. You know, Joe Biden got 22 million votes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows he didn't. Um, excuse me. Joe Biden is claimed to have, and the, and the people who back the 2020 election as being legitimate say, you know, Biden got 81 million votes, more than any contender in all of American history. And, and you know, there's just so many data points that make that absurd and dishonest and, and just, just absurd. But this is just a little point, you know, if half of his Twitter followers are fake, so he had 22 million, which is, which is far less than Trump always had, far less than Trump had, you only had 22 million, and half of them are fake. What I'm getting, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to have the truth come out. I, I'm thrilled to have the truth come out. And it matters all by itself, even if they came out and said, hey, you know, as it turned out, Biden's numbers of Twitter followers are wrong. He really had 80 million. Well, that, I mean, whatever the truth is, I'll take the truth. I just want to deal with the truth. But the fact is, Biden does not even have 22 million. He had more like 11 million real followers on Twitter. But Twitter has been an engine the left uses to manipulate American thought and, and worldwide thought. It's like an influence operation. Twitter, we played yesterday one of the clips of one of the employees um, of Twitter who got caught by Project Veritas bragging to some, I'm going to guess, pretty young girl. He thought he was on a date telling her how cool he was. He works for Twitter, bragging he's a communist, bragging everyone who works for Twitter is a communist. I mean, just, just as openly radical leftist, ugly, foul-mouthed, you know, gross, that's who works at Twitter. That's who controls the algorithms, controls what bots seem to get through, what, what you know, bots don't get through, what fake accounts are, are allowed to remain, uh, that kind of guy. That's who does all those things at Twitter. And so now we know Twitter has you know, allowed about half of the followers of Joe Biden to be non-existent people. You know, that probably didn't bother him too much. But I'm getting to the point that Twitter has been, and I really want you to think about, maybe you're listening and thinking, oh, I never read Twitter, I don't care. And, and I'm not saying you should, you, you like it or you don't. But understand the power of Twitter to have influenced people around the country and around the world, people who aren't so rooted and grounded in what they think about life and America and all sorts of issues, they're pushed around by Twitter. I mean, there, there's a phenomenon, I can tell you from working in elections, there's a phenomenon where a lot of people, what they really want to know is who's going to win the election because they want to vote for the winner. I mean, this goes on in the minds, sadly, of voters' heads. I want to know who's likely to win. I'll, I'm going to go with that because I want to vote for the winner, which is, of course, unhelpful. You should vote for what you believe in. But when people who aren't all that connected don't spend the time to read and study themselves, see that, you know, some really obnoxious tweet or trashing Trump, trashing Republicans, trashing any leaders on the conservative side, trashing any conservative views. When people who follow Twitter see that, they see, wow, you know, this got, 
you know, some this tweet that said, you know, all Republicans are evil, you know, whatever they would say, haters or something, and that got, you know, millions of retweets. It has a it has not just a tiny amount of power, it has a massive amount of thought shaping power. It's an influence operation, has been functioning that way. And if Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter does nothing else, even if it doesn't go through, even if he says, you know what, this is garbage, you know, you're only, in fact, in, in, in uh, Elon Musk's tweet, I don't know, it was over the weekend, I think, uh, he put out, you know, it might be like 90% of these accounts uh, are fake, are bots, are fraudulent. I mean, we don't know the numbers, and, and you know, hopefully Twitter is fortunately going to have to come through and figure out something approximating the truth. But I really, really urge you to think about how much power Twitter may have had to influence not just the election, but how people think about issues, how they think about candidates, elected officials, how they think about you know, trends in this country. These are people with a massive, massive weapon in their hands to hypnotize, mesmerize, dupe, manipulate, control people who don't think for themselves. That's what Twitter has been. It's been a massive influence operation. So love is being exposed. And I'll say, whatever is the truth about Twitter, I'll take it. You know, I mean, and, and so if, if Biden really had many more followers, or if it turned out that, you know, half America really loves Bernie Sanders and wish he were president, I don't think so. But if that were true, I'll take what the truth is. And that is how you have a, an intelligent political conversation in America. You take the issues, the points, and then you discuss them, and then you break them down, and then you look what's underneath it. That's intelligent political conversation. Twitter is a trashy influence operator. Okay, uh, one last, I would, before I get to my last story for the day, I will mention uh, three things about this show and our website. Number one, our website is americacanwetalk.org. However you're listening to this show, please know you can listen to it at our website at americacanwetalk.org. Just go there every day, 3 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Thursday. The show is live on the website. And while you're at the website, americacanwetalk.org, you can hit subscribe and, and subscribe to our once-weekly newsletter. If you, We got a bunch of new subscribers recently, and I would like to report, yes, I missed getting the newsletter out this past Friday. I've hardly missed at all in years, but I did. We had a very busy. I, we, I spoke in Colorado. We had we just had a big traveling weekend. I didn't get the newsletter done. So don't think that you didn't get your uh, name in. I didn't get any, any newsletter out this past week, but I will this coming week. So sign up for the newsletter. Also join America Can We Talk at our homepage on americacanwetalk.org. There's a word that says, a letter that says across the top says members. Hit members. It up pops the form. You can join for a mere $50 a year. Would love to have you join. Become part of our family. Also love to have you consider making a donation to this show. This show is listener supported. Listener supported. I've been doing it since 2014 and I do it out of love of America. I do not want to lose this precious country. I think America is very near the precipice in a very, very dangerous place in America. In fact, a few months ago, I had uh, Sidney Powell on the show and I made some comment about how America was, you know, getting close to the edge of the cliff to go off the cliff, you know, to socialism, Marxism, communism, end of freedom. And Sidney said, oh, no, no, no. We're already over the cliff. We're already over the cliff. We're like grabbing at branches and roots trying to pull ourselves back up. 
We are in a serious condition in America, and you can trust this show. You can tune into the show and trust this show to give you honest commentary, in-depth analysis, and a robust defense of the founding ideas of America and, and, and the only reset ever humanity needed. We don't need the current Great Reset. We don't need any other reset. America 1776, that was the reset that guaranteed human freedom to everyone and made the country unparalleled in human history. And that's my job, talk about the issues of the day, always in defense of the ideas of America's founding. Last two things to support this show. Uh, I do have a my pillow, um, a wonderful thing with my pillow. So if you go to, you can see if you're watching uh, or at mypillow.com, at mypillow.com, uh, they have wonderful products. I tell you all the time, I would not recommend them at all unless I've tried them myself. My husband and I have tried them ourselves. So bathrobes, slippers, sheets, towels, uh, and the pillows are, are fabulous. They're really, really good quality, wonderful pillows. So go to mypillow.com, buy everything you want, buy your uh, favorite cousin a new bathrobe, just, just buy stuff for people if you want to. And then when you go to check out, there's a promo code to put in, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. It's my name, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. And that, that way you get up to 66% off on your whole order and I get a small payment um, out of each order. So I'd love to have you do that. The other way you can do support this show is a beverage I drink every single morning called HydroShot. There's a picture of it on the screen. Again, you can go to their website, H, the numeral two, the digit two, h2bev.com, B-E-V-Bev, short for beverage, h2bev.com. And there use the promo code, again, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, get 10% off your order and ship right to your house. HydroShot is not available in any store, only ordered online. It truly is, I have one can every morning, and it truly does, it increases performance, endurance, focus. It's a nitric oxide boost. It's a, it's a truly unique formula. Nobody else has it. Uh, and it's just a wonderful product. They have th uh, fruity colors, you'll, uh, flavors. You can uh, order any one. I urge you to try it. Get one carton, one case. See if you like it. I love it. I have it every morning. And I turn to it because my husband and I getting over the flu had kind of a draggy, you know, hard time getting back to feeling like our high energy selves. And I called a doctor friend of ours, so wine, basically. And he said, you should try this hydro shot. So I'm not saying it's, it's, that, it's not medicine, but doctors recommend it and use it. So hydro shot, go to h2bev.com, get 10% off your order and help support this show. Okay, my last story, and some people might have been saying, this should have been your first story. And you know what, they're always, here's the problem. Even as fast as I talk, I grew up in New York, so I talk pretty fast. Even as fast as I talk, I can't get to all the stories. I do want to comment a little bit on what's occurring in Washington in the Sussman trial. And this is in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I call this, this segment Kangaroo Court, Sussman Kangaroo Court Trial, HRC Looming. That what I want to say about that is this. Back when we briefly thought that we could actually trust Attorney General Bill Barr and I did. I, I'm one of the ones I actually thought he would do a, a, a noble job and, and would do the right thing in the context of following the law, the Constitution. But, you know, as it turns out, he was very much of a protect the institutions guy, protect the FBI, protect the DOJ. So he's attorney general. And, and the whole mess of, of you know, the entirely cooked up Trump-Russia collusion thing happens. Whole investigation unroll, un, you know, goes on and on and on. Finally, Mueller has to get in front of the Congress and the American people on national television and say, you know what, after millions of dollars and tens, hundreds of thousands of hours and depositions and in investigations and subpoenas, 
there was no Trump-Russia collusion. In fact, at that very day that Mueller is sitting there testifying in Congress, it was clear to him and, and to many other people in high leadership in the CIA, FBI, DOJ, that Hillary Clinton cooked up the whole dang story. It was a smear job campaign Hillary Clinton cooked up. Let's claim Trump is you know, colluding with the Russians. So she cooks it all up. She has Perkins Coie. She has Fusion GPS. She gets the whole rigmarole going. She does. And we know that now because John Brennan, then head of CIA, wrote in his notes. This is how Sidney Powell actually ended up finally getting Lieutenant General Flynn, uh, getting the, the DOJ to back off and say they weren't going to prosecute Flynn anymore uh, because of that, that came to light. So Barr, parting shot, says, okay, well, you know, uh, it turns out there wasn't. So let's appoint a special prosecutor. We're going to get this John Durham guy. And don't worry, uh, he is going to get in the middle of this. And he's going to figure out, um, you know, get to the bottom of how did this crazy, crazy story get started? How could America got, have gone down this rabbit hole for so long? That was Durham's job, uh, Durham's assignment to figure out what the heck happened um, and how the entire DOJ and FBI got deluded by the Hillary Clinton campaign lies. That's John Durham's job. So he finally is going after, okay, okay, we're going to go after somebody. So he is, um, he is prosecuting uh, Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman. I'm bringing this little background again to make sure we're up to speed. So finally Durham saying, okay, okay, we're going to prosecute someone, this guy Sussman. So Sussman's a lawyer for Clinton. Sussman contacted the FBI and said, hey, I have some information I think you're going to want. And he's supplying the FBI with the farcical concocted Hillary Clinton lie that somehow, you know, Trump is connected to the Russians. Uh, Trump is somehow in bed with the Russians. Something really bad here. Sussman said in his communication, I am not representing any client. So that's the lie. That, that is a lie. So he wasn't representing a client, but he was. He's representing Hillary. So that's what he's being prosecuted over, which is, you know, in the grand scheme, important and, and better than not being prosecuted. But the entire cabal in Washington, D.C., that has protected the Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, you know, felony factory for I don't know how long, you know, that that's really should be the ultimate target. The Hillary people who cooked it up, the entire cabal of Hillary people cooked it up. You know, including the Fusion GPS folks, other people at Perkins Coie besides Sussman. And a lot of people let this go on and on and on. But the, key, the big thing is I want to tell you today about this trial. I mean, I'm grateful. I actually am grateful that we're going to have um, some prosecution occur. And I, I said previously, and I still think it, Sussman, I hope what he's thinking is, you know, I could actually decide to uh, go state's evidence. Essentially just say, look, I'll tell you everything. Don't prosecute me. I'll turn them all in. Sussman's too much of a loyalist. He's not going to do that. But, you know, apparently he's going to allow this prosecution to occur. But the two things I want to say about today. So, you know, three things. Uh, one thing that's really important is that, okay, in Washington, I'm fully aware that there's a snake's nest of people, both political parties, who have been Washington, you know, uh, swamp dwellers for decades. I mean, the charts people put up sometimes, very entertaining, you know, well, this person, this department is actually married to this person, uh, and this person over here who's uh, got a different last name, but that's actually their child, and these two are really brothers. I mean, endless intermingling. It's like 
I, I mean, you can't even begin to describe it. It's like a, an incestuous cesspool of snakes in Washington. And so often when someone say, well, you know, the guy who's prosecuting so-and-so is somehow related, and, and a lot of people go, well, what are you going to do? You know, Washington's a small place. We get all these incestuous, I like this, incestuous cesspool of snakes. It's kind of a tongue twister, but I like it. Anyway, so the judge in this case, the judge who is uh, prosecuting um, the, uh, or excuse me, is overseeing the Sussman trial, that judge is married to, okay, um, the, the judge's name is Christopher Cooper. He goes by Casey. So Casey Cooper, the U.S. District Court judge, a federal court judge who is uh, presiding, Obama appointed, by the way, presiding over the Sussman prosecution. And obviously, the Sussman prosecution has huge um, tentacles in the Washington establishment. I mean, tentacles in the legal world, tentacles in the FBI, DOJ, all these people who are fully aware that they were just, they were just contorting a lie in spending two and a half years investigating the non-existent Trump-Russia collusion. Okay, so District Judge Casey Cooper, um, you know, appointed by Obama, is married to the FBI, is married to an attorney who is representing FBI agent Lisa Page. Recall her name, Lisa Page. She's the one that's having the extramarital affair with Peter Strzok. Heavily involved, heavily involved with the FBI's assessment of all of this garbage that Sussman gave to the FBI, claiming he had some really big, you know, Trump-Russia collusion thing. So the judge in this case is married to a lady who's representing, his wife's name is Amy Jeffress. So the judge, Casey Cooper, married to Amy Jeffress, who is representing Lisa Page, heavy, key figure in the entire FBI-Russia collusion scheme. So it's, you know, he's already got, you know, now I'm, I know all judges and lawyers will always say, I can always do my best, I can function independently, I can represent, I can do my job as a lawyer, as a judge, independently of, any, of anything else. But I don't think so. I'm sorry. That, that is at the level of, of, of incestuous relationship I will say, I, I did read one place where it sounded like Casey Cooper, the district judge who was overseeing the Sussman trial, um, had volunteered to recuse himself and that John Durham said no. I don't have that nailed down as a fact. So I read that someplace, but I would like to be sure it's true. But apparently, it seems, um, Durham said, no, nah, it's okay. We don't mind, Judge, if you're married to the lawyer representing one of the key figures in the Trump-Russia collusion, no problem. So that's one little factor. It begins to feel like a kangaroo court. Secondly, in, in, in uh, interviewing jurors, you know, every, whenever you impanel a jury, many of you have had jury duty, you know how this happens in civil or criminal cases. You know, the, the lawyers on both sides or the judge gets to ask questions. They're trying to get people out who might have some bias. So the judge has permitted uh, some uh, uh, potential jurors to be considered permissible jurors, uh, even though they were, um, they acknowledged they had donated money to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Now, I would say maybe that's not by itself also terrible, uh, terrible, but it's not wonderful. You know, Hillary Clinton sympathizers on the jury, not a great thing. But the big thing I wanted to say today and get to before we're, um, and we're going to run out of time, especially for our radio listeners, I want to make the point. So they had their opening statement. And, you know, when you start a trial, you know, a criminal prosecution, uh, you, you, each side gets to make an opening statement. And you can't argue evidence. You just, you have to say, 
here's what I think I'm going to prove, blah, 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 blah. Well, the unfortunate and really important thing to note that has occurred in this trial already is that the opening statement was not actually made um, by John Durham, but made by uh, prosecutor Deborah Shaw, a member of Durham's team, Deborah Shaw, in her opening remarks to frame the government's, basically to tell the jury, here's what we're going to try to prove. She said, Shaw addresses the elephant in the room, the whole question of, you know, how long did it take before the FBI and DOJ figured out that they'd been fed garbage? So she told it, um, it said, she said, this, uh, Shaw addresses the elephant in the room, tells the jury that their feelings about Russia, Trump, and Clinton cannot play a role in this case. This is about our FBI, these are the key words, our FBI, which should not be used as a tool by anyone, Republicans or Democrats. What she is saying, my very fine friends, is that the entire course Durham's going to go is, is Hillary bad actor, maybe other people around Hillary bad actor, but going to leave the FBI and DOJ alone, and that is a profound disappointment to those who wanted justice. For those listening on radio, you're about to go off air. Come back tomorrow, every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. Thank you for listening. I appreciate every single listener. And for everybody else, I'll do more on this Sussman trial um, very soon. Uh, but for now, we're going to go to the close, how I close every show, which is to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start exposing the left, Candace Owens, who is going to be like in the Hall of Fame of American Patriots someday. But anyway, exposing the left, Candace Owens, she has produced a soon-to-be-released documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Told, George Floyd and the Rise of BLM. George Floyd was a hardened career criminal and a drug addict, not a heroic figure. She said that early on. BLM's founder exposed as corrupt, pocketing millions for personal gain, not for fighting racism. Owens is a heroic figure, incredible moral courage to point out lies and fraud that were engineered to convulse American society ahead of the 2020 election, and they did. Owens exemplifies the American character and courage that it will take to restore America. America is waking up from an orchestrated nightmare. A truly great awakening is ongoing. And on Boebert bus joyless, Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert posts Christmas photo of her sons proudly holding guns. Joy Behar of The View calls the photo obscene. Boebert responds to joyless Behar, go back to your sex strike. I found that hilarious. Boebert one, Behar zero. And on Twitter, bubbles keep bursting, reports that half of Biden's 22 million Twitter followers are fake. But Biden really got 81 million votes, right? Yeah, not. Elon Musk has opened Pandora's box at Twitter. Twitter public filings may be materially false and misleading. Twitter's links to U.S. intelligence agencies, which we didn't even talk about today, but we need to do that. Much suspicion that Twitter is being used by our intelligence agencies to twist and contort American thought to see things as the anti-American left wants us to see them. Twitter's links to U.S. intelligence agencies for influence operations are now being explored. Project Veritas videos exposing Twitter executives and employees as militant commies, their word, proudly engaged in censorship of American conservatives. Twitter is a house of cards, and Musk has brought a storm. And finally, Sussman kangaroo court trial and Hillary Rodham Clinton looming. Mixed bag coming out of the Sussman trial. Incestuous beltway, judge married to a lawyer who represents Lisa Page, 
who with apparent lover Peter Strzok at the center of the Russia hoax. Protecting corrupt institutions, Durham's prosecutor Deborah Shaw, an opening statement indicates the case is not about Trump or the R's or the D's, but about protecting our FBI from the, those who would lie to it. But HRC is still in the crosshairs. That's where the buck stops in pushing the Russia collusion hoax. Hillary and the Clinton machine squarely at odds with the D.C. institutions, but ignores the obvious corruption and collusion at the FBI, DOJ, and CIA, and with Mueller. The truth may not be as containable as Durham or the defense counsel believe. Americans are paying attention, and they are restless. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Tomorrow on our show, we have Frank Gaffney in studio and perhaps one other guest we're talking to later. But Frank Gaffney joining us in studio, a brilliant national security expert covering the range of national security issues. And for our Thursday shows, we have an in-studio audience. Those of you who are members, if you want to be part of the in-studio audience, you can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com and put in the subject line, studio audience. And then we'll try to get back with you and see if we, uh, how we can do with seating. We'd love to have you uh, this Thursday and any Thursday in studio for our members. For everyone else, thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?